Salutations hey. and welcome to Joygasm. Steve had a little outburst of his, uh, <laughs> what do you call it, Tourette syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> we would like to welcome you to Joygasm, where we chat about our video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He's Steve, Xbox Live so. Stevevich. And of course, this is episode 83 today, August 1st, 2018. We are recording this week's episode a bit earlier than usual, mm. uh, just because uh, both of us are going to be going on vacation starting this weekend. We're going to be gone all week next week to different spots. And so we're actually doing this a little bit earlier. We're, we're recording it on Wednesday night. We're, we are on hump day. We are midway through the week. And so we w- definitely didn't want to leave you guys high and dry. So we figured, ah, well, let's just do it right now and we'll be able to have some fun with it. So uh, after our little howdy duty time, I think that uh, we'll just dive directly into our topic of the day, which is... Gaming, investing, and you. <laughs> That's right. Laugh it up. Oh, there. boy. So that is going to be our main topic of the day. Um, I'm going to go ahead and forego any kind of like video game news, movie news, just simply because there hasn't been enough days in the week that have transpired. But um, when we return triumphantly and hopefully more relaxed from our vacations, then uh, we'll be able to play a little catch up in those arenas. But... As far as it goes, see how you doing, Ross? Man, you mentioned high and dry, and I just realized I don't have any water up here. You so I'm I'm oh. feeling a little high and dry myself. Did you rock a little ganj before you came over, Steve? Uh, I rock a little. Uh, Puff the magic dragon, there, Steve. Negative. Hmm. You said you were a high and dry. Yeah, I'm on the second level of your house, and uh, I don't have any water, so oh. I'm dry throated. <laughs> no, no, no puffing of the magic dragon over here, Russ. Just making, just thinking about makes me. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah it's, I'm, allergic. Now, I'm allergic to that. Now I'm gonna be uh, pumping uh, something good. Woo! I think I had some debris coming out of that. You one. didn't even cover your mouth. No, I did not. <laughs> you, you got two arms, two sleeves. You got a box of tissues and a couple of hands. None of that worked. I, I even have a turn- third nipple. Oh man, didn't yeah. use that one either. That must be a large nipple that you could cover your mouth with. When it's this cold, chicken's done, my friend. <laughs> Chicken is done. <laughs> I'm breathing in your sneeze. Indeed. That's how we keep it in the family. Ugh, gross. I used to work with this guy where every time he would sneeze, like he he would he would be at the register and then he would like like bow his head to sneeze like towards his lap. But he would not cover his mouth. <laughs> he would like envelope his like head into his lap. Well, no, like he was looking down. Basically, mm-hmm. he was sitting there, but he would look down and kind of like can not bend over, but <laughs> more than just looking down. And he would go <laughs> like that. You could almost like if you were looking at him right at the exact moment, <laughs> you could almost see like the crap coming out of his mouth. Uh-huh. You know, into the air. And if I was with somebody and I and like the, the only other register in the in the in the building, uh-huh. and yeah, I couldn't move, then I could like I could only, I can I'm literally, if the sunlight were to hit it just right and cause a nice uh, sharp rim light on, uh, it would be like an internal rainbow uh-huh. 
and then I would smell the mustiness oh. of his sneeze. And that would happen every single time. So gross. Like, I know I'm inhaling what just exhaled out of his mouth. Literally <laughs> gross. Question for you, though, Steve. What? Would you rather inhale? This is a would you yeah. rather question. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather inhale someone's sneeze or someone's fart? <laughs> uh, Russ. Oh, you know, it's a it's a question that is worth pondering. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. I see what you did there. Yeah, you did, yeah. So tell me what has been going on with you. Uh, well, we, we haven't even got through the entire week yet. And um, oh, by the way, I gotta know. Have you, did you watch the movie yet? I am planning on watching it tonight. Oh, actually, that's what you said. Like. <laughs> Every night the last week, man, I'm paying for that movie to be here and it's still in the envelope. You keep saying the same thing. Man, you gotta watch it's that. Just send it like, back on it. It's gonna be like five years from now. You're gonna keep asking. Man. <laughs> it's gonna be to the point where like you'll ask and I'll, I'll say I'm watching it tonight and you'll just start to cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take him at his word, but I can't. Yeah, exactly. No, I uh, am planning. <laughs> <laughs> I am planning on uh, <laughs> doing that uh, after this recording. If you, no one heard that slight sound effect. It was Russ rubbing the top lip under his nose of something right near his microphone. Good grief. I was up. Uh, okay, so back on track. What have you been up to? You were telling me you actually uh, showed me some sort of article that I think is worthy oh. of um, talking about at this point in time. Right. Yeah. So um, now that you say it, I don't have the article open anymore, but uh, I found it on the Daily Mail. Mm. And I just, it's all over the place, too. It's not just the Daily Mail, but I had to check that site, and there it was. But um, there's a dude who is a uh, he was a full-time Call of Duty player. He's contracted. He makes a buku bucks playing Call of Duty. He's a YouTuber. And so, uh, you know, very, very dashing-looking gentleman as well. And he was dating this uh, very <laughs> dashing-looking woman from uh, Mexico, Yannette Garcia. Her name's very, uh, very easy to remember if you take a little look at her. Beautiful woman. She's like the, the best looking weather girl on the planet. And they had this relationship. He lives in New York. And they both decided to part ways, A, because he had to, to continue his Call of Duty. Of course, it's work. It's paying him big bucks. I mean, Is he hey, making good money? Uh, if I, if he was making like six figures. Okay. Yeah. And so she is doing the weather girl thing and the modeling thing, and she's dabbling in actressing. And so she's got a full-time gig going on in Actressing? Mexico. You mean acting? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's an actress. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much of an actress she really is, but she's dabbling in it. Uh-huh. Might not be a fully fledged, you know, actor acting and doing that whole thing. Russ. The you verb would be acting, Steve. <laughs> but she's an she's an S actress, <laughs> actress sing. 
So anyhow, work got in the way. They couldn't make it work. And uh, But the title of the article kind of points toward him as if like he rather play video games than date this chick. Mm. I thought, you know what? That's just it, it, it's not really exactly true. You know, I mean, if it was any other job and she had to stay in Mexico and he's over here in New York. Okay, I have the names here. So the, okay. the, the gamer's name is Doug... Uh, Phase Sensor Martin, I believe is how you pronounce his uh, gamer name there. But uh, mm-hmm. Doug Martin was his name, and uh, his uh, I guess now ex girlfriend was Yannet Garcia. Not, I, th- I don't know if it's Yannet. I think it's Yannet. Oh, okay, Yannet. Yeah. Okay. I, I've never uh, <clears throat> heard of these people until you brought it to my attention. But I'm sure they're getting a lot of PR now. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's all over the place on Instagram and Facebook and whatever and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I'm sure they're very good people and uh, maybe their paths will cross once again. But I, you know, I didn't really like the way the article posted it because it was like the, the, the kids are going to play video games over dating sort of thing. And it's like, no, if, if, if he was in a, a six figure job and it got in the way and she was another job and it did part of the world, of course their jobs would not let them be together. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. I wonder if he could have moved to Mexico or she could have moved out here. And I mean, you know, like, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, based on what you had sent me, I did a little bit of background research and apparently uh, according to the article I was reading, she moved back to Mexico and she wanted him to go with her. Mm. He was not interested in going to Mexico, instead wanting to focus on his professional gaming career. And so it sounds as though the two of them just decided to put careers first and have decided to part ways. Obviously. Anyway, what else is going on with you, Steve? Well, I've been playing a lot of Hammond lately and Overwatch. When have you had time to do that? When everyone else has gone to bed. Did you do it last night? Yes. Uh, that's probably the time you do it right there. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of him? He is fun. Yeah. But it's like you have to use all of his abilities all at once or else he's not so fun to play. Like he really goes through his ammo quick. Mm. Like quick as in like tracer quick. Brr, reload. Brr, reload. Yeah. Brr. So if you're not jumping all over the place and, and swinging from anything you can grapple uh, to knock people back, then... You kind of have to stay at a distance. Yeah. But uh, it is fun to knock into people and get those environmental kills, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's, it, he's pretty fun. I like the sound effects with the machine guns that he has. Yeah. And I like... Have, have you played with him swinging around a lot or not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's fun. You got to really look for stuff that you can swing on and you got to time stuff really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause if you can time it right, you can really swing and then roll and then swing and you can just kind of fly all over the place. Sure. And when he rolls, he's fast. He is fast. I have not figured out how to do the slam. Did you ever figure that yeah. out? Yeah, I did actually. So it, how does it work? So yeah, the instructions on the game aren't, aren't really clear. So they just list it saying, okay, this is what you can do, but they don't say, okay, you know, it's left button or right trigger or whatever it is. So if you have enough distance in the air, like between you and the ground, you hit the B button okay, and you can see, you know, like if you hit one of the abilities, it'll light up yellow with a countdown, right? Yes. So it's, it'll light up in that little area of okay. the screen really quickly with the small B. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not lit all the time. But if there's enough clearance between the ground and your height or mm-hmm. your, you know, in the air, then it'll light up and you can hit the B button and then he just slams into the ground. Yeah. So typically if you swing off of something, you can hit B right away and he'll just slam the ground. But okay. if, but just like jumping or whatever, that's not going to do it. You, you have to be on a ledge or swing in the air or something okay. like that. So. Hmm. Very different. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything else worth mentioning? No movies. Um, nothing like that. Uh, I, yeah, that's about do it there, Russ. The, the Sea of Thieves thing dropped. It did drop. I have not checked it out yet. I know. Have you checked it out yet? <laughs> I have not. Actually, I loaded Sea of Thieves because I was halfway expecting Big Baby Moose to be on there. Mm. And you. Mm-hmm. And then nobody was on there. And I thought, well, <laughs> I kind of want to experience it with somebody, you know. I don't yeah, sail around by myself. Well, it'll always be there when we return. Yeah, or maybe we could play tomorrow night. Yeah, I doubt it. Thursday probably, night. Yeah, probably gonna be packing. Pa- packing. I gotta get. I gotta be at the airport like at six a.m. on Friday. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were leaving Saturday. No, I leave Friday, and Friday. then I get back Monday. Okay. Well, then when when we return, then we'll be able to give it a shot. By the way, I need to ride in the morning, Russ. Uh, so you're gonna have to get up at four. Uh, no. I'm not going to do that. Uh, let me see here. Oh, okay. So on my side of things, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you asking me what's new. With I was about, uh, yeah. <clears throat> he he, he uh, telepathically there you go. asked. It's that whole sibling <laughs> thing. What have you been doing this weekend, Russ? <laughs> the main vein in his forehead was pulsing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> stop tickling me. I ended up watching The Equalizer last night. I've seen that, Mr. Denzel. Denzel Washington, that is correct. Good man, yeah. And that was recommended to me by a colleague at work, and we were, check this out, we were going to go see The Equalizer 2 today after Mm -hmm. work. However, his significant other caught wind of his uh, plan to go see it, and she actually uh, would like to see the movie. So uh, he very wisely decided to go with her. <laughs> <clears throat> You're not going to hang out with the boys. You're going to hang out with me. Yeah. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear. Don't be mad at me. And I told him, I said, no, that's perfectly fine. That is the way it should be. I will be okay. I will probably see it with either my yep. brother or someone else. I don't know. But anyway, uh, the first movie was really good. I always am a fan of uh, seeing Denzel on screen. Wait, wait, wait. So he didn't just up and say, hey, hey, bros before hoes, hon. No. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay. No. I just no, no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> Once again, very wisely did not say that either. Uh, but anyway... It was uh, it was a fun movie, and I at some point maybe I don't know. Well, I'm on vacation next week. Maybe I'll go to the theater and check it out. I don't know. It just depends on uh, if my friends have any interest, and if not, then I'll come back and Shanghai you. So at some point, I'll I'll check it out. But well, you you can't do that because if you have any time, you can be watching this movie. That's still sitting. So you already forgot about it. No, I told you I'm going to watch it tonight. No, you're not. And it's going to be taken care of. Put to bed. Right. Now, in terms of the gaming side of things, I decided to check out Persona 5 on mm. the PS4. There's five of those already? There are. Man. Have you ever played any of them? No. Okay. So I have not either. 
but this one came highly recommended. So it's been sitting in my, my PS4 queue there for a long time. Finally decided, okay, let's see what all the fuss is about. Having gotten that far, I've, I'm literally still very much at the beginning. And uh, I can say so far the graphic style is really fun. It does, for some reason, bring up like Jet Set Radio Future in terms of the graphical style. And the music is really well done. It's got just this wonderful eclectic <clears throat> arrangement of sorts. So I'm definitely digging that. I really haven't gotten into a lot of the RPG combat mechanics yet. It's kind of in that initial exposition phase of finding out just who I am and where my lot is in life and all that fun stuff. So I'll be, I'm sure, playing it a bit more here and there. I, th I have a feeling it may be a bit more of like a slow burner, kind of like The Witcher 3. But, of course, in its own world. Uh, but we'll just have to make... Uh, kind of do with with how I get, go along with it. Russ, something just popped into my head. What, Steve? The end of the last episode we were doing with the uh, review of Mission Impossible? Yes. I mentioned that Metallica did a Mission Impossible theme song. You, you said, why don't you play it for me after the episode? Well, goodbye, everybody! And then I sent you the song. You did. Did you listen to it? I have not. I didn't think so. I plan to. <laughs> Steve, when you get to me in a situation or position like me, my time is so fragmented, it's very difficult to be able to focus just what's three feet in front of my face. Thank goodness there's all that commute time you have between work and home. Hey, it's it's stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, stop and go for an hour and a half to two hours yeah, each excuses. way. Excuses. It's not excuses. I'm like a zombie by the time I get to my destination. Excuses are like belly buttons, Russ. <laughs> You have lots of. <laughs> you either got an Innie or an Audi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, go ahead. So anyway, I was also playing. Uh, it's N I O H. I don't know if it's, I, I'm guessing it's pronounced Neo, but it's the it's the Tecmo game that came out. Um, it's it's like kind of a. Uh, Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon... Actually, I don't even know if it's Anglo-Saxon. They may not be right, but Almost it's a Caucasian uh, samurai warrior type uh, thing. Mm. Anyway, I could not even get past the opening scene. Like, the opening scene where I'm in a dungeon somewhere, and I've got my my, my dirty lowen cloth on, and there's a guard outside, and I'm trying to make my way out. That guard just kills me every time I come out, and I just cannot get past that at all. That son of a biscuit, Russ. I, I seriously died at least 10 times and I just turned it off. I'm like, I cannot, I, I have no idea why it's, it's, it's this unnecessarily difficult. And I was talking to our good old friend Brad about it this morning. And he was saying how that game is one of the types of games that really <laughs> push the difficulty. Kind of like, uh, what are the other ones? Like, uh, what is it? Dark Souls or something that's known for it. And there's another one. Um, oh, what is it called? It's another PS4 title. But anyway, it's like these games that are like specifically designed to be just ridiculously hard. And I, I mean, there's a point where I even found like a sword laying on the ground. I picked it up and Steve, huh. what, do, what do you think would happen when well, if, 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 if you're what's in this? an action game and you see a weapon lying on the ground and you successfully are able to pick it up? What do you think would happen? Um, I'd probably cut myself with it. No, Steve. I'm talking <laughs> in the game. <laughs> you would see it appear in your hand, wouldn't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
It didn't appear in my hand, Steve. It appeared in your loincloth? I have no idea. <laughs> there was nothing pointy there. That was actually a little smaller than usual because I was a little scared. <laughs> but still. Something's pointing at me. Uh, I'm not even going to <laughs> What the heck? Anyway, uh, go ahead. <clears throat> so anyway, I had no instruction, no tutorial, nothing. And I get taken out again by the same soldier. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like Groundhog Day but in hell or something <laughs> terrible. So anyway, my, my interest, which was pretty high has been completely decimated. And, uh, I'm, I may give it an, another shot in one of these days, but if another it, whirl, if I can't get past that one part, I'm just going to not play it again. This is not my kind of thing, but for, for there, I mean, there are people out there who love that game. They've been able to get through it. They beat it. Maybe I'm just getting too old. I don't know. Maybe you need a little, Wow, that, that's <laughs> that was all kinds of juicy mucusy. That's why I need my water. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could just look on Reddit, Ross, and Steve figure some stuff out. Oh, okay, yeah, just just continue to get angry at the game. I suck at navigating Reddit. I'm 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 trying to get better. Well, at it. then this is two wins. Reddit is my old nemesis. And you know, I hear it's a great platform. There are people. There are many people. Mm. Who love Reddit, and that's fantastic. I actually have uh, some friends who are on there every day. Or maybe if I struggle, however, it was trying to figure out how to find what it exactly Mm. is I'm looking for. If only there was. Are you on Reddit, Elastine? No. Oh, Oh, your phone's vibrating. Someone forgot to put it on uh, Do Not Disturb right there. It's just just a little notification that they probably didn't hear it. Until you made a big stink about it. Yeah, right. Here through my headphones. I was going to say, if only there was a search engine that was easy to remember where you can just look stuff up on the fly, you know? Steve, I played this last <laughs> night. I haven't had any time today to look. Oh, geez. Get your phone right there. Remember, Steve, it's Wednesday. Oh there hasn't been a whole lot of time between the time the last podcast dropped and here we are recording again. So... I do believe that's about really what to do with me. So I would say let's jump right into our topic of the day. And I have been looking forward to this for a while. It's, it's been kind of uh, marinating in my my brain. Your noodle. Exactly. Your head ramen. <clears throat> my head ramen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put some water in there. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, but anyway, it's something that I think that it uh, would it'd be a fun thing to talk about just because... I think that there are certain folks who are gamers, who are um, big movie buffs, people who are into pop culture, that sort of thing, who also have a a pretty big interest in all things investing. And I think that there's also, at the same time, a significant number of people within our group, if you will, that um, haven't really taken that step into investing. And I think that this is hopefully going to be a means of enabling folks to be able to possibly make that, that kind of first step into 
the wild world of investing. And Steve is rolling his eyes, even though he too is very much involved in I was, stocks and investment. I'm looking for a place to hawk a loogie. <laughs> That's disgusting. Ah, that is absolutely gross. Man. This room has an effect on me, Russ. <laughs> you know, this room where it's you. Are you sure it's not like a piece of gum that you've just been chewing for too long? Yeah, it's a piece of gum that I'm trying to blow bubbles in the back of my esophagus. <laughs> uh, okay. Good grief. Uh. So, okay. Recently, and I told Steve about this article, so you already know about it, but I thought it would be nice to be able to kick things off with, (laughs) with, um, there's a website called The Motley Fool, and it's one of those websites that I tend to frequent uh, when I'm looking for any kind of financial advice or news or suggestions, that sort of thing. Mm. And it talked about how, um, well, first of all, this article was published back in 2017, Wow, it's a long time ago. Exactly. Well, depending on when people listen to this, you never know. Uh, But anyway, it had some startling uh, statistics regarding saving habits. Startling statistics? That's right. So I just wanted to share these with you guys. Apparently, only 32% of Americans, and again, I realize we have an international audience, so these numbers have to do with with, uh, just North America here. America. Actually, not even North America. This is America. America. (laughs) (laughs) So only 32% of Americans have a 401k. 14% of employers offer a 401k, yet 79% of Americans work for an employer who actually do offer a 401k. That basically tells me that these corporations, I mean, that they're able to hire all kinds of people within the country itself, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, you have corporations that will have like 150,000 plus employees, that sort of thing. So anyway, moving forward here. Uh, uh, Now, of those 79% of Americans who get the choice to fund a 401k, only 41% decide to opt in and participate, which means, Steve, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. just... 32% 32% of the total workforce in America are saving in a 401k. Those are not good odds. Well, I guess everybody else is throwing money under their mattress, you know. Well, I mean, it could be a number of different things, but um, looking at that really caused me to, to think about how you and I, we, we have both gotten into stocks and uh, doing like like our Roth IRAs and our, our 401ks, that sort of thing. But we haven't always done it. I, I know for myself, I got involved with stocks uh, back in 2013. So it's been, <clears throat> what is that, five years? Just about. <clears throat> and you actually got started before me, I believe. <laughs> Do you remember what year you got started? I believe it was... It was either 2011 or 2012. Okay. So, yeah, you you were starting probably a year or two before yeah. I was. Yeah. So, the, the main question that a lot of people have is, especially if they're working for an employer that does not offer a 401k, what do you do in that kind of situation? And my, one of my recommendations is, is, is to get involved with opening up a personal stock account. Now, yes. 
we thought it would be fun to be able to go over a few handpicked stocks that uh, we are currently investing in or perhaps are following and looking at. And more so, it would be in particular relation to either video games or some sort of technology company. So something that, that like we can all kind of bite into. So that way we don't have a bunch of people kind of falling asleep as we're talking about stuff that no one's ever heard of before. And it gets to be a little too abstract. So what's this stuck? <laughs> exactly. So I thought before we go uh, any further is to talk about how, like what, how we each got into the stock markets do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. So yeah, the idea just, just, you know, high level, what exactly caused you to actually get interested in it mm, yes. and then actually make that, that step into it, into the, the world of stock, Steve. I'll try and be brief, but you know, I like to tell stories. So Russ, Back in high school, I was, you know, taking econ and everything, and I, and I took some courses at the junior college and whatever, some mm -hmm. businessy stuff. Mm -hmm. They always were talking about it, this, that, and the other, and oh, invest, invest, you know, but it was always kind of a, this is what old rich people do kind of thing. It was never really fun because all these tons of companies out there who you know nothing about that make a lot of money, and uh, maybe you should join the bandwagon, you know? And I thought, okay, well, that doesn't sound too fun. I mean, yeah, I want to invest. And yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to make some money and whatever. But, you know, where, where's the fun side? Where's the stuff that I like, you know? And so I started digging into it a little bit more and found some companies that I liked and then kind of branched off. Okay, well, if I like them, who else does the same exact thing like them, but maybe a little bit better? Or who's on the up and up and maybe I can buy a little bit more of their stock and not not necessarily you know go all out and and buy something crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. So then that got to be kind of fun. And I started off really small, and, and I am still I'm dabbling in it. I'm There's not, no shame not in even going to say anywhere amongst this that I made a ton of dough. No yeah. way. I'm still learning. Oh, by the way, you know we should we should probably mention Russ. Mm -hmm. All these stocks we're going to start talking about these companies. They're not endorsing us. They're not sponsoring us. Yeah, that, that's good to say. I mean, like, okay, so disclaimer, um, we definitely are not experts in this. We um, are doing this for educational purposes only. Only, absolutely. But we we do see the need to be able to try and, and do our part in terms of spreading the word, getting people involved with um, being able to, to, to prepare for their uh, financial future, I suppose you could say. But yeah, I mean, just... Again, educational only with a little dash of entertainment. Continue, yeah. Steve. Plus, when I was in high school and in college, they never really mentioned how fun it could be. Mm -hmm. They just mentioned about, okay, save for your future, which when you're young, the future is a long way away. Absolutely. And you never really think about it. And you just want to live life to the fullest and go out with your buddies and you know, watch movies and and. Making the making the dollar bills rain, y'all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I started looking into it. Um, I was bored, and you uh, were just bored I one would, day. You know what? I was bored. I was working my my tail off, and I thought, man, there's got to be more to life than just this, you know. And so I just started reading. How I, old were you? I was twenty seven. Okay. okay, I think yeah. 
I think I was 27. Anyhow, I just started reading. Mm-hmm. And some of these articles, these Bittensea articles, can be rather long. Yeah. And they can be rather boring. Right. However, if it's something that you like, and it's something that you buy a lot of anyway, and you're already supporting that company, your peers are supporting that company, people all over the world are supporting that company, it's kind of like you're doing your little bit extra for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's what makes it fun. All you're doing is reading and clicking some stuff. And then at the end of the day, if you're doing, if you have your smarts about you, which is just reading some other articles beyond what you've already read, you can make a little bit of side coin. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So what caused you to actually take that step? Describe the, the moment when you made that decision. Let's see. Well, what did I do? Did okay. you talk to dad? Um, yeah, I had, I had spoken, I had spoken to dad a little bit and, uh, got a little bit of education from him. I just got to the point where, you know, I, I really wanted to give it a shot. I had a little bit extra money left. I wasn't really going out because I was in saving mode, but I I thought, okay, I think I, you know what I think what happened is I was, I was, one of my IRAs was doing terrible Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get it out and put it into something. But because of all the taxi tax stuff, what's going, whatever's going on, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. If I would have cashed the whole thing out, I would have been taxed heavily on it mm-hmm. and would have lost even more money. So I thought, what am I going to do? So then I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to put it in E-Trade because if I just transfer it, it's there, the, the IRA is not actually writing me a check. Therefore, it's not taxed. Mm-hmm. So I just transferred the whole entire thing to E-Trade. And then I thought, okay, well, now it's in E-Trade. I might as well buy something. I might as well buy something safe okay. that I know is growing. So then I thought, okay, well, at that point, I was starting to, I, see, I get excited. I started banging my microphone. <laughs> so at that, at that point, I started selling cell phones independently for Target. Mm-hmm. I didn't work for Target, but I was a contractor inside of Target. And I thought, okay, but Target, it's kind of a one-stop shop. Sell groceries, makeup, furniture, all this other stuff, games, TVs, whatever. Like a multi-purpose shop. Multi-purpose, and it's a safe stock. It's growing, whatever. So I started dabbling in that, and um, I, I don't think I made anything, but I got in the habit of waking up with the market and seeing what after-hours trading was happening and just paying attention to articles, and it just got me in the habit. Okay, well, what else is out there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, if Target does it, oh, maybe I should look at Costco. Maybe I should look at... Walmart, of course, I would never, I don't, Walmart and I don't really get along too well, but uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, your, your mind starts branching off of, okay, well, who are these other competitors and how good or how bad are they doing? Because uh-huh. if I'm making money with one, maybe I could be making money with the other one. Right. So in my situation, I um, came to it after you did, of course. I remember, and- I remember we had a conversation on the phone. Oh, really? I do, yeah. So in my situation, um, it, it's actually a, a fun story that relates to gaming. And I had been around, of course, our dad, he's into um, investing stocks and whatnot. And then I, kn- I knew that you were starting to get into it and that you had um, started kind of learning about the, the stock market. You had gotten your account set up and whatnot. But there was never really a moment for me where I decided to to take the plunge on it because I just really didn't understand it at all. And what was really fascinating was I was playing Grand Theft Auto 5, GTA 5. And of course, those of you who have played GTA 5 know that there is a kind of like a, a portion of the game where you have to invest in stocks. 
Well, they give you that option anyway. I don't think you have to, but well, like there are certain quests that you that you do where like it introduces you yeah, to it, and then right. yeah, if you, if you want to like pursue it aggressively, you can, uh, or you don't have to. But um, that literally was the catalyst for me getting involved with stocks, and I thought it was just the the coolest thing because here it is. I'm I'm doing what I love to do, which is playing games, and I'm playing GTA Five, loving the game. And it gets to this point where all of a sudden I'm looking at, at just how they have this almost like this mini game thing set up within the game overall where like you can access this this kind of uh, fiction version of, of Wall Street and based on certain events that transpire in there, it causes a stock to go up or it causes a stock to go down. And just watching as to like, if I stay in a stock for too long, then I'll miss certain opportunities or if I sell too soon, you know, it it really did actually um, provide a safe approach to introducing me to the world of stocks. It was actually quite a brilliant move by Rockstar. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was completely, I mean, if they had the same program, but like in your economics one-on-one course where it's all digital currency and you couldn't mess up, but you know, it's regular, like this, if they had like the, a Sims mm-hmm. stock market sort of thing, and if everybody could pay attention to that, that would be cool. Cause what they have in school now, well, I don't know about now, but when we were there, we we're like, okay, you know, we had like a semester of economics. Yeah. We it. had imaginary currency words. I wasn't even like digital. We couldn't see it doing anything. If we, they said basically, okay, make believe you had 10,000 and you invest and see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's nothing's going to happen because you're not investing actual 10,000 versus if it was in this digital world and you invested 10,000, well, there's going to be a result. Yeah. I th- and I also think too, there is more convenience in terms of, of understanding how the market works in today's world as opposed to when, like when we were in high school, like back in the nineties, you had to look at a newspaper Got I mean, the internet was not there. <laughs> Got ink on your hands. Yeah, I mean, like, like you, like, that was your way of finding out. I mean, if you went to the financial section of the newspaper, you had to open it up, and then you're trying to like find through these microscopic. Remember the size of that font? And I mean, it was just ridiculously tiny. And you're wasting all this time trying to do that. And also, they had some other rules at the time that were in place, like you had to buy like a hundred shares minimum of, of a stock in order to even be considered that sort of thing. Or you just had to call your broker too, which that was just one other thing you had to do and take someone's word for it. Exactly. And so you have all these different practices that are quite honestly, I mean, they're intimidating and confusing. Yeah. And you fast forward to today's world, and suddenly you have um, a much more streamlined, easy version. Um, you know, instead of having to buy a minimum of 100 stocks, the minimum is one. You could buy one share yep. of a particular company, and there you go. So going back to to the so the story I was talking about was um, I, I I really do have to applaud Rockstar for that because that single handedly just really just turn the light bulb on in my head in terms of what could be. I mean, and even in the game, you know, suddenly I was able to purchase better cars, nicer houses, even purchase some businesses. I mean, by and large at a, at a high level, the game really does a good job of introducing you into like how you can really make a lot of money. Right. And do so legally. <laughs> um, so without, I, without being becoming a agricultural engineer. <laughs> yeah. so anyway that that was kind of the start of it and then for me i was i just started talking to you i started talking to our dad and 
eventually just just settled on on um, getting on on a particular uh, trading account, and then after that was um, just attempting to also try and figure out like you know, how, how does all this work? How, how do I do it? And, and of course, you know, working with money, that's just like, okay, if I were to lose this, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. And that's one of the big keys for me was just, you know, knowing that like, okay, don't over commit a certain amount <laughs> into the stocks, especially this, this day and age. So before we go any further, um, I just want to address the, the, the big question, which is what is a stock? So a stock is a fragment of ownership of any given company that has decided to go public, meaning like it's a publicly shared or traded company as opposed to a private company, which is not on the stock market. And well, what that basically means too is if I have my company and I sell a bunch of stuff and I manufacture a bunch of stuff, I keep all the money internal. That's going to be private. But mm-hmm. if I go public, then you could invest in my company and you're basically giving me money to do more of what I do best. Correct. So um, that, so there, there is quite a bit of, of different areas of this that I, I just, I don't know, I feel like it, like we, we, we should just cover just for those who have not never heard of this before and for those who have, you know, the, I mean, this will probably... Uh, be very familiar territory, but, um, so that, that's, you know, in kind of a nutshell, that is like what, what, a, what a stock is. Now there are many things that can happen to a stock. For instance, a stock can split and, um, people uh, will, will kind of dismiss that at first because when a stock splits, let's say for instance, um, it, it's, it does a two to one split you know, you're going to have um, double the amount of shares that you had in that particular company. So for instance, if you had 10 shares and it was two to one, then all of a sudden you have 20 shares. But the price fluctuates. Well, see, here's the, the price fluctuates. And, and, and but it's, it's kind of an illusion in the sense that when the price fluctuates, it's actually, the, the value doesn't actually change. It's just that there are more, like if you were to look at it like a pie, there are more pieces of pie now. But it does act as an incentive for investors, particularly new investors to be able to come in and initiate a position with that particular stock because it's cheaper. So the other Avenue of the split that is very important is especially if you decide to invest in a stock long-term, this is where you can really make a lot of money, which, you know, the, one of the famous examples is with Coca-Cola, you know, Coca-Cola goes public um, for like, I think it was like 40 bucks a share or something. And this is way back in, I, I don't know, the, was it early 1900s or something like that? <laughs> 1700s. <laughs> no, 1900s. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> one year later, it, the stock price had, had dropped by 50%. It was down to like 20 bucks a share. Um, and to a lot of folks who, who were, who were investing in it, they may look at that as some kind of uh, disaster where they're like, Oh my goodness, I've lost 50% of the value of the stock that I invested in. What's going to happen next, everything else. And there are many situations like, especially with like the Coca-Cola stock, for instance, like um, if you, as you go through history, you could see how like there were um, two world wars, there was Vietnam, there was um, some kind of issue with like the, 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 the sugar cane, 
uh, I can't remember what exactly it was, and yeah, thermonuclear situations and all the, all these negative things that that would kind of act as a deterrent for you to actually think, oh, this was a good time to buy. However, if you had just bought one share of Coca-Cola stock for 40 bucks and reinvested their dividends, which we'll get to in a bit, you will have found that the, the stock itself has split. And I can't remember exactly how many, I want to say it's split 13, at least 13 times, if not more. But you will have found that that stock is probably worth r- roughly around $15 million now. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And it, it may be closer to 20 now I'm thinking about it. And again, they, I'm, I'm just spitballing this. I do not have like the, the Coca-Cola thing right in front of my face. But that gives you an idea of what happens if you were to invest with a company that was very aggressive in doing um, split after split after split. And of course, assuming that that the stock price continues to go up as they're splitting, that that and the company continues to stay in business. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right. The, the kind of the the one two punches that have have the stock price continue to increase in value, going up, 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 and when combine that with just constantly doing split, 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 because then obviously you're multiplying how many shares you have of that company, and you multiply that times what the the value of that that stock is and then you'll get your your nice little uh prize at the end of it so moving forward i mentioned earlier that that there's um something called a dividend steve what is a dividend a dividend is when the company makes a little bit more money than they anticipated and they reward the people who have invested in them Mm-hmm. So if, if you have X amount of shares mm-hmm. of stock in the company and they say, well, thank you for investing in us, <laughs> here's a little bit extra for you. And so every once in a while, the, it, depending how much you have, it might be a dollar, it might be 50 cents, it might be five bucks, it might be seven bucks, it might be 14. You never really know. Mm-hmm. But it's a basically a thank you for investing in us and this is their thank you which you can then turn around and buy more of their stock or just keep it in your account and buy other stock yeah and so the, and what steve is referring to is you can reinvest your dividend cut so the dividend is basically like like just, just this money so let's say for instance if you, if you have um uh, like one share of a stock and they decide oh well for each share we're going to award you 50 cents. Well, then you just made 50 cents off that one share. Or like say, for instance, you have 10 shares and they decide that they're going to, for the, for the quarter, and there are four quarters in a year, that they are going to provide a $1 dividend per share that you own. Well, then you just made $10 off your 10 shares. Right. So again, you can either collect that and uh, cash it out and, and do whatever you want with it. Or you do what's called a drip, which allows you to reinvest back into that same company. And <laughs> it allows you to buy, oftentimes um, they are fragments of a whole share, but they're treated like a whole share. It's kind of interesting how that whole thing works. But um, dividends are definitely something not to be ignored. They oftentimes don't get the respect that they quite rightfully deserve, honestly. Um, but in terms of, of just, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I, I, in terms of like, if, if the stock price 
like the value of the stock price were to drop down and say, for instance, you're not making as much on that. If you have enough shares in the stock itself, the dividend will, will oftentimes offset your loss of the value of the stock. You know what it's similar to, Russ? What is it, Steve? Patreon. Patreon? Patreon! What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, hear me out for a second. <laughs> what are you talking about, Steve? So, you have some folks who like the show mm -hmm. and want to give us a little bit extra so that we can give them more value of the show. Mm -hmm. So, they... Okay, they give us a, a buck every once a month or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So we can in turn take the buck, reinvest it in the show, either buy microphones or a camera or, you know, lighting for the studio that we're trying to make, you know, this, that, and the other. So we can give them a better show with the money that they are investing in the show. Yeah, that's yeah. in a roundabout way. Thank that, you yeah, very that, much. I, I can see where you're going with that. So... Let's talk about the psychology of investing. Do I hear a do I hear a yawn coming on? No. Okay. Me? No. Okay. Oh, I'm not talking about. about. Go ahead and go. Are you yawning? I'm not yawning. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of psychology involved with the stocks, because obviously when you put your money into stocks, you want to obviously make more of it. And unfortunately, the reality is, is that sometimes when you invest in a stock, the stock will go down and you have to have the stomach in order to ride the roller coaster. Of, ride the storm. That's Rush. right. That's right. I call it a roller coaster because when you're going, you know, it's constantly going up and down and you're just, you're taking on this ride of sorts. But stocks are unique in that the lower the price goes, the less people want it. It's like the only thing ever. Like if you typically, if you see something on sale, people can't wait to buy it. It doesn't matter if it's clothes or it's a video game or whatever it is. It's a car. People are like, Ooh, I got a good deal on that. However, with stocks, it's the opposite where oftentimes people will see the stock going down, 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 down. And they just they they instead would prefer to chase something that is going up 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 up. They want to chase the returns instead of finding uh, an opportunity to buy something. So that's something to always keep in mind too. Is obviously there are different parameters involved with that. We're we're speaking at a very much a, a high level of this, but um, the psychology of investing is something that not to be ignored just simply because we as people, we're, we're, we are social creatures. We tend to follow the herd. We tend to like see what's going on uh, with a, a particular stock. And then oftentimes, whether we realize it or not, we are kind of mirroring what kind of the other masses are doing as well. And so you have to keep that part of you in check. And of course, I mean, just it goes back to the whole thing too of you never want to invest more money than you're comfortable with. Right. Actually, I have a story for that, but maybe I'll hold off. <laughs> so another piece of advice is there's a mantra that is known as buy low, sell high. Oh, of course. It's otherwise known as common sense. But you would be surprised as to, once again, this plays into kind of the psychology of investing where, I mean, every, like if you were to ask, are you a value investor? Most people will be like, oh yeah, yeah I'm a value investor. Absolutely. Well, part of that has to do with being a contrarian where like you, if you see a stock that, that everybody just doesn't want anything to do with, 
And yet you come in, you go, you know what? I think this is a good company. I think they got potential. I think they're on some hard times. I think they're going to pull through. They then go in and they they have a conviction to buy that stock. And then if the stock does really, really well, well, then that becomes a value investment. <clears throat> and that's part of the problem, too, is that you'll have people who get in at the wrong time and get out at the wrong time. And uh, you just it's always it's always a good thing to once again look for for good deals within the stock market itself, which brings me to the next point, which is margin of safety. Now, the margin of safety is uh, this is one of my favorite terms to use because it essentially acts as a safety net. If you were to look at a stock and you see where the price is. And you are thinking to yourself, okay, is this the highest the stock has ever gone or is the stock price a bit lower? Essentially, like an analogy I could use would be, think of a, like, a, like they're building a bridge for cars to go over. Now, they are going to be factoring in how much cars weigh. And as a result, they would engineer in a margin of safety for the bridge so that in the event that there happens to be more weight than normal, the bridge would still stand. So if, you know, they're thinking, okay, there's like a hundred tons of weight that's going to be on this bridge. Well, they wouldn't engineer the bridge to withstand just a hundred tons. They would probably engineer in a margin of safety where maybe perhaps it could hold 150 tons of weight on the bridge itself. It, it still applies to a stock where like, if you see that a stock price is lower than say it's 52 week high, then you, you are in a much better position to be able to not be in a position of losing money. If the stock were to go down, at least you're less likely to, do you have anything to add to that Steve? No, it makes perfect sense Russ. Thank you. So another good tidbit to know is you, me, oh okay. Well, uh, well yeah, I'll just use you, <laughs> Steve. If you mix good inf information with bad information, what do you get? Well, you get a lot of information. A lot of it's probably not going to be useful. You get bad information, Steve. <laughs> and so it's important that you do your own research. It's important that what you're looking at is legit. Because the worst thing you can do is have bad information that will influence your decision making. And again, it could cause you to, to buy a stock. It could cause you to sell a stock. And if, if you have bad information, then oftentimes you're not going to be making the right call on that. So, Well, I think it all boils down to if you're, if you're investing your own money into something, you have no one to blame but yourself and you should have no one to blame or praise than yourself. So if you've done your research and you go, you know what? I got a good gut feeling about this. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. And then it proves out to be fruitful. Well, you got yourself to blame for all that goodness. <laughs> and if it turns out it's bad, well, you didn't take anybody else's advice. You, you did your own research or lack thereof and then it bit you in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. Another piece of advice I have is to make sure you stick to companies, you know, do your research. I cannot say enough about how um, some of the stocks that I have invested in over the years, um, some of my best performing ones are ones that I'm very much dialed into. And for like someone like myself, you know, I'm into video games, I'm into movies. Once again, I'm, I'm into technology and that sort of thing. And so 
I have a pretty good idea of which businesses have a good business practice and just what uh, the future holds for those particular companies. If I were to go into a different industry altogether, I'm going to be at more of a disadvantage simply because I don't have as much intimate knowledge about that particular industry. So that is a good rule of thumb. Now, having said that, I do own stocks that are not within those areas of expertise. And some of them have, have done well, um, but that is not just because I just happen to be lucky. It's because I've done an absolute ton of research in the, the background trying to figure out uh, which companies are, are worth investing in. So what do you have to say, Steve? Well, I was going to say that uh, when you do your research and you find a company that you like, and they have a solid model, like they've been around for a long time, they've made a lot of steady, stay-the-course decisions, even if they do have a bad month or a bad year, it's reason enough that you weather the storm because things are going to get better. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, if you just go, oh, I like these people, cool, but you don't do any research, those folks could go out of business in a month, and then <laughs> where are you going to, you mean, just because you like them is not good enough a reason, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think, so, okay, I'll segue into something that um, kind of rides on the coattails of what you just said. So one of the things that I was guilty of back when I, early on when I was trading was that as soon as I decided to buy a particular stock and have, you know, X amount of shares with that stock, I suddenly almost had like a, an emotional attachment to that particular company where it's like all of a sudden I had this love affair and everything was fantastic. It's like, oh, I own this stock and everything else. And and depending on how the stock performed, if it, if it was continuing to do really, really well, I mean, that, that just acted as more of um, just an incentive for me to just be like, oh, this is just fantastic. This is wonderful. I, this is the, the best thing ever. And like, you know, oh, man, I just had this, this romanticized idea of, you know, having this stock versus if, if I were to buy a stock and the stock went down, then I get really mad at it and, uh, and just say, well, if it just would go back up to, you know, where I bought it, things would at least be okay and everything else. And essentially, like, you know, you're going through this whole myriad of feelings and a stock doesn't even know you own it. The right. stock just sits there and gets traded back and forth, back and forth all the time. And so it's important to remove the emotion out of your trading. You have to be absolutely just stone cold when you, when you trade. Um, because otherwise your emotions will get the better of you and you may justify certain things mm -hmm. that are not worth justifying. And when it comes to the money, money is just, it's dollars and cents. And, and if it, it ain't making dollars, it ain't making sense. Absolutely. <laughs> now, when it comes to trading on every trade, you have to remember too, that there are two people involved. One thinks the stock will do well. And the other person thinks the stock is going to do poorly. And one of you is always wrong. <laughs> so that is a piece that I always try and keep in the back of my mind when I'm making a purchase decision on something because it's easy to have... Well, I, I suppose that that could be another piece of advice. But so we'll, we'll, we'll keep it just at that, just for that little segment thing there. Um. The next part I was going about to get into is just you have to weigh in conviction versus arrogance when you're 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 purchasing something. And it's it's very interesting how this works where like, you know, if you 
if you decide to buy something, if you if you look at, at a particular stock like EA Games, like you look at EA and you're like, I'm going to buy that stock. That is an act of arrogance. And, and and it's not necessarily a bad thing per se, but it's definitely it's like like you know you're it, it, you're basically saying that like you know I think this stock is going to do well. I think it's it, I um know better than you in terms of, of, of just how well it's going to do. And so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. So it's, it's, it's vital that you have the humility to also say at the same time, but I might be wrong. And I think that that that's where you have kind of the crux back and forth is that the healthy thing to do is to have a conviction. You need to have the conviction, almost the arrogance to say, I think that this is a good company. I think that based on my research, it's going to do well. And here are the reasons why. And, you know, if you're sharing it with your friends and family or if you're just researching on your own or whatever, I think that that's the that is something that will help you out is being able to distinctly decipher between what is arrogant versus what is a conviction. And I think that that will help you because um, oftentimes, and then this plays into the more the emotion side of things as well, is that if there's a particular stock, like let's say for instance, you love um, say Nike and you decided that you're just going to go all in because, you know, you love the Nike commercials, you love the Nike apparel. I love Nike or Jordans. <laughs> You love the persona of Nike. Uh, that can be a bit of problematic. Not to say that that the Nike stock is is doing terrible or anything, but just using that as an arbitrary example. Um, you have to really be careful that you don't overcommit or overextend yourself in that capacity. So, uh, so Warren Buffett is a name that those who invest know very well. He has uh, done extremely well for himself. He is one of America's uh, top billionaires. And one of the, the, the things that he has said that I absolutely love is he talks about barriers to entry. And this has to do with certain criteria for any given company that helps to kind of stave off other companies from coming in and directly competing as quickly as they would like to. And he talks about how, um, you know, the, the company or yeah, the, basically the company or the stock should be this castle and the, the Dooku's that are in charge of this castle, which would be like the CEO and the workers, the development team, that sort of thing. You know, they're hardworking, they're willing, they're able, they have good morals, good ethics and all that kind of stuff. And then they, they maintain the castle. And then what he would want is he would want a moat to be around the castle. And the moat is designed to protect the castle from other armies that are coming to try and take it over. And I just love that analogy because it really does pertain to the, the world of stocks and more specifically companies in general. Because if you have a product of sorts and it's very difficult to replicate, um, or you have someone who works for the company and they just have a brilliant mind, there are different types of assets that act as barriers to entry for other companies to be able to come in and be able to compete as fiercely as they would like to with you. So it's important as someone who is looking to invest in stocks to be able to look at 
how many barriers of entry any given company has. Obviously, the more barriers of entry, think of moats, if they have one moat versus, say, three moats or four moats, obviously, it's going to be harder to cross, especially if those moats have sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. <laughs> <clears throat> Did you have anything to say about that, Steve? No, Ross. Hmm. Well... Uh, the last thing I have to say before I, I want, I want us to get into some of the, the gaming slash pop culture slash tech kind of stock stuff that we had picked out. Yeah. But the last thing yeah. I do want to say is that, um, there's another fine gentleman who I don't believe is with us any longer. I believe he has passed on for some time. Here. He's actually but, sitting right across from you. Uh, no, he's not. His name is Benjamin Graham and, uh, he has a great quote that I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of the public is incorrigible. They cannot count beyond three. And what he meant by that is that if you buy a stock, it's the rule of three. If you buy a stock and that stock price goes up and then up and then up one more time, you're a genius. And people will look at that and psychologically speaking will then be convinced that that is a good stock to invest in. That they made the right choice. It's very interesting how that works. And it's, it's actually applied in other scenarios as well. Like whether it's, you know, you're in basketball, basketball, they call it something else entirely. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like where if like a basketball player makes three shots in a row, then the, the general um, consensus is that when that basketball player makes another throw again, he's going to make that fourth dunk or fourth shot in the basket. What were you going to say, Steve? I was, uh, I, I wasn't going to say anything, Russ. Oh, it looked like you were going to say something. Well, I was, I was thinking of, you know, up, up three times, like, okay, three days in a row, the stock goes up or three quarters in a row or three, 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 what? Uh, three days. Like three trading sessions. So like, for instance, if you bought a stock on Monday and then you watched it go up on Monday and then you watched it go up on Tuesday. How much up? It doesn't matter. Okay. And then it goes up on Wednesday. Then suddenly, whether you realize it or not, subconsciously, your brain has then interpreted that as a successful stock. And it's just, it's very interesting. There's, Mm -hmm. there's, there are, and again, these little nuggets of, of, of advice and suggestion and, and just information, there is a ton that we could get into that we're not going to on this episode. And for those who are new to this, this whole thing, it's, I mean, I'm sure already we're overwhelming with, with quite a bit of, of information. I will tell a story before this episode is done, Ross. It wraps all this stuff up nicely. Okay. So let's get into some stocks. Okay. Let's okay. So now that we've gone over some of the the kind of the the main areas of stocks, um, I think it'd be fun to talk about certain stocks that we currently do own oh. that we can actually apply some of these things to. Okay. So Steve, yes. uh, why don't you go ahead and lead <coughs> us off with a? You know, I, I figure we can go back and forth with our selections. I, I would I would say. Mm-hmm. That we limit how many we are. I figure we, like I could do four, you could do four. How about that? Huh. Wow. Hmm. Okay, Ron. Or less. Whatever. You know, what, what, yeah. Whatever you okay. Well, I, I can pick about four. Okay, I'll do that, Ron. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first, 
I have NVIDIA. 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 Mm-hmm. So uh, NVIDIA, I'm sure all of our uh, lovely listeners know they make uh, computer chips. They make graphics cards. Okay. But not only do they put make graphics cards for computers and stuff like that, but they're also making chips for all like the virtual reality headsets. Mm-hmm. They're also dabbling a little bit in the like some of the automotive software. So all the like the graphics stuff that's happening there, they do a little bit of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. So they're they're growing large and they're a solid company. They make a great product. Mm-hmm. And I believe in them. And with all the gaming that's coming out, a lot of people are looking towards NVIDIA. And then I, I, other companies like AMD, for example, do kind of a similar thing, a little bit better of a price point, I would say right about now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe in NVIDIA. And they uh, believe in me. <laughs> when did you decide to start investing in NVIDIA? This was, I believe, was it this year or was it last year? I think it was late last year. I think it was around October. And what was it that caused you to have conviction to finally pull the trigger and invest in NVIDIA? Well, let's see. I had been looking at it. I had been eyeballing the charts. And I have been reading a couple different articles. And everything just sounded very sound. Now, I remember that dear old dad had invested in NVIDIA. Did he invest in, in, in NVIDIA before you? Uh, he did, and he sold it as I bought it. Oh, and, interesting. And one of the rules in the family is that if someone else sells, it's most likely going to go up, so you better you better buy it if someone else sells. <laughs> or if I sell it, it, or if I think it's going to be good, then it's probably going to be bad. I don't know. <laughs> So if you don't, if we none of us tell anybody what we're gonna do, <laughs> we'll then, okay. then we're all okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was looking at Dubai as he was looking to sell, and so he sold, and um, I bought pretty much right at the same exact time. And sure enough, it continued to go up and up and up. And uh, so I don't know. I what is your current percentage in terms of the return on your investment? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'll I'll open the app. I'll tell you. <laughs> Right now, I thought you already had it open. I, no, it won't log me out. <laughs> oh, great. No, I, uh, I'm gonna have to upgrade. Good grief. Okay. <sighs> of course, this is just uh, timing is impeccable. Thanks for asking me that one uh, question. Uh, I thought you had it open. Okay, why don't you take a turn? Sure. Okay. So I think it'd be fun to start off with a company that I decided to recently invest in, which, of course unless you've been living under a rock, is Funko Pop. Now, Funko, uh, they went public, I want to say, toward the end of last year. I want to say it was probably around November, beginning of November of 2017. And I had not invested in them at that point of them having what's called an IPO, which actually I didn't even go over during our um, earlier bit, which stands for initial public offering. It's when a public decides to officially go public and has done so on either Wall Street or NASDAQ. And that's when it's available for the first time for the public to be able to invest in. So I did not get to that point and um, it actually kind of like like dodged my radar. It flew under my radar. I, I, I had no idea Funko had gone public until this year. And it's interesting because um, I came in when the stock actually was going down. This is almost kind of like a Coca-Cola thing where like it had um, started, it was going up, it had reached... 
about $9.41 a share and then started going down and it got down to be right, right around $6 a share. And I was really shocked about that be just because, um, once again, I am familiar with Funko. I have gone to San Diego Comic-Con for a number of years. They have a huge presence there. And um, as a result, I have a pretty good idea of the company itself. I enjoy the website. I have friends who have bought the products. And so I was really surprised as to how the stock was going down. And of course, the CEO was also very shocked at how the stock was going down. And I thought to myself, you know, after everything that I know about the company, it's a good little company. They, they make a product that is cheap for them to build. They build it really quickly. Their sales team is one of the best I've ever seen in terms of being able to lock in various IPs. It doesn't matter if it's a gaming IP or a movie IP, a TV show IP, comic books, you know, even celebrities they make little Funko uh, toys of. They're just everywhere. And they're, and they're able to pivot extremely quickly for whatever is trending for that current point in time. And I thought to myself, I think that the market has interpreted this stock wrong. And I think that a lot of the big-time investors at Wall Street really don't understand what Funko is about. And as a result, it's not getting the love that I think it would normally deserve. And so I was able to, to get in and I was even talking to friends of mine who, I mean, they even own Funkos and they were unwilling to invest in the, <laughs> the stock thinking that it wasn't going to do very well. For whatever reason, though, I just I couldn't shake this conviction I had where I just thought, man, I really do think that this stock is going to is actually going to do pretty well. And so I, I went ahead and I bought um, some shares in it. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually having to now uh, log into mine because yeah. mine logged me out. Yeah, no. So check, check this out for timing. So it logged me out and I haven't updated my software at all and my phone uh-huh. or not. I mean, not at all, but not to the latest software. And it now needs the latest software and my phone. So for the app to update. So I can't even get into the app anymore yeah. until I update my, <laughs> my, my operating system. And that is nice. So to give you an idea, I have been in this stock now, let's see, I would say roughly two hours, two hours. (laughs) I think I've been in there for about seven months. And within that time, uh, the, the stock of Funko, which is F N K O that's called the the ticker. That is the stock ticker. That's right. Every company has a stock ticker. Um, so far my total gain has been 109%. Return on that particular investment. And so that is one that just obviously, you know, I get excited about, I'm happy about, um, because I had taken a certain calculated risk and looking at it, realized that based off the initial price that they offered, the IPO, and seeing how it went up to a high of $9.41 and then went back down to about six bucks a share, I was able to identify a margin of safety. And I was looking at it thinking to myself, you know, I have a feeling that this stock is going to recover and the lowest it can go, it can only go to zero. And I know for a fact that this company is not going to go away anytime soon, that they have a very viable product. Their, their business practices are sound there. I knew for a fact that they were actually hiring more people. They're aggressively expanding. I think I'm going to, once again, have 
um, that conviction to buy once again, almost the arrogance of like thinking, I think that you guys are wrong. I'm going to go in and I'm going to invest in it. And it could have continued to go down and I would have lost money. And well, that's just how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> However, it's just, it's interesting to look at that. And, and if I were, you know, just, just looking at the company itself, for example, um, even this year alone, during E3, for instance, and this is a part of doing your research. And research doesn't have to be like this boring thing where like, you know, back in your school days, you're having to look at all these old, you know, dusty textbooks and everything else. Like, no, like research can actually be a lot of fun. Part of my research was that when I was watching this year's E3, um, you had the coalition come out and announced that they were doing a Gears of War game, but it was with Funko Pop characters. That's a huge win for the company of Funko Pop to be partnered with a company responsible for Gears of War. Then they also had announced that they are also coming out with their own cereal. And that's a big deal too, in terms of building awareness and everything else. And they're starting to branch out, not just, you know, staying in toys, but now they're into food. Also, continuing their partnership, not only with the coalition, but they also have partnered with Epic games and they are going to be coming out with Fortnite Funko pop collectibles. This is, but just a scratching of the surface in terms of how many things they have their fingers in. And it's just amazing how, like once again, they're able to pivot off that and be able to, to capitalize on something that's trending. And the big thing is like one of the biggest arguments I hear about this company is how th there's some sort of parallel to Beanie Babies. And I'm the, the one difference that I've been able to identify is that with Beanie Babies, no one ever really had a big attachment to Beanie Babies. They were just these cutesy little mini stuffed animal things, and everyone just thought they were going to be worth lots of money, and so they just kept them. And, of course, we all know how that story ended. The difference is, is that with Funko, they are producing these toys that are based off of beloved games, TV shows, movies, etc., And as a result, the, the, the buyer has an emotional attachment to those characters. If you buy a Captain America Funko toy, it's because odds are you like Captain America. <laughs> if you like Batman and you buy a Funko pop Batman toys, because you like Batman. And as a result, you're not going to so one day just all of a sudden think, eh, I'm going to toss this out and, and not like it anymore. No, you love that character. And the people who are into these types of things have a lifelong commitment. I mean, it's the same thing with you and I where, you know, we still love Ghostbusters to this day. And we've loved them since we were kids. The same thing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You still call me Spud every once in a while? I do. Mm -hmm. And you know where that's from, don't you? <clears throat> Slimer. Yeah, I do. I'm proud of you. I love you. <laughs> anyway, that's enough on, on the Funko example. Did you have, oh, so apparently you can't even get into your phone, can you? Yeah, no, I can't even tell you. I mean, I'm doing well with NVIDIA, but um, yeah, I, I, I am doing well with it. I'm not, I, don't, I couldn't tell you how well, but I'm in the green. <laughs> yeah, it has been going up. Uh, I mean, I know I'm at least, I'm at least 50% up. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Oh, good. And I think also, too, why I went into it was it wasn't just that I liked their product. It wasn't just like my peers liked their product, but yeah. other companies saw the value in them, too, and they were investing in them and using their product, too. So it wasn't like they were going to go out of business anytime in the near future. I got you. Mm. So 
would it make any sense to to look at any of the other ones? Why don't you go ahead and keep telling me the ones that um, you know that you had in mind? Well, tell me one, and then we'll we'll we'll. Leapfrog back and forth. Okay. So I have Apple. Apple. Uh-huh. Okay. So I've been working in the electronics business for a long time. I was there when the iPod dropped. And I uh, was selling iPods and Zunes and Sonys and uh who's it's and what's it's. Everybody wanted to get on the bandwagon, but everybody wanted the iPod. And, uh, and that, that, the iPod just made the company. Mm-hmm. And then from there, everyone th- started thinking, oh, you know, some of these Mac computers are kind of cool. I mean, I, I don't have a Mac computer, but I'm most likely we'll get one at some point. Um, but then the phone came out and all this other stuff. And uh, the company has been doing great. They're teetering on a trillion dollars. I mean, I've read that story the other day. Uh, a lot of the, the fan boys and girls who love Apple buy all their stuff. Everyone... The same clientele goes to their stores and always looks and salivates over everything. Do you mind if I jump in real quick? So what Steve is talking about is customer captivity. It's something that that is used quite a bit within stocks as well, where if you're able to identify um, a certain company that that can retain its customer base and people are reluctant to leave that particular company, that is what's called customer captivity. It's kind of like another example would be if, um, you know, if you're, if you are part of an insurance company and you're satisfied with your insurance, you're not going to leave. It's the same thing where you have certain people who really love the Apple brand. They love the Apple experience and the UI and everything else. They're not going to leave. Continue, Steve. Okay. Or it could be the same thing as if like you're playing the Witcher and you love playing the Witcher and they keep on dropping new DLC and you love all the DLC. Like, okay, how much is it going to cost? Take my money. Absolutely. There you go. So I missed See, I didn't listen to this podcast way back when, Russ. We weren't around. Or else I would have bought way back then mm-hmm. in my 20s. You know what I mean? Bestowing all this knowledge on the younger generation. Jeff. Well, and that's the idea is like, I, I really hope that this particular podcast episode will cause certain folks who haven't made this jump to be able to like actually get some semblance of an understanding of how investing works. And really, honestly, one of the things that I forgot to to mention early on is I look at, I don't want to go too far down this, but like in terms of my day job, when I make a paycheck, that money is what is called sweat equity. It means basically, you know, based off the sweat off my back and brows, I was able to earn this cash. (laughs) The sweat off my hairy back. (laughs) Um, and as a result, that money would then go into my bank account and then that's where it would stay until I decide to buy something or whatever. What are you laughing about? The sweat that dripped out of my belly button. (laughs) That's what I earned. So I realized one day that the value of the U S dollar is constantly in a downward slope. It, a, like if you look at $1, the value of $1 is no longer worth $1. In fact, the last time I looked, it was worth more like about 65 cents. Hmm. Depending on where you are in the, uh, on the planet, Rose. Uh, yeah. But as a general rule, like living in America, that's what's happening. And in, so as a result, the amount of money I'm currently making through my sweat equity is not being maintained. And what's interesting is... I started to think about how 
my dollar bills in my bank, essentially like when the dollars come into my bank account, they're basically on vacation. They've made it to their retirement. I, I literally had this picture in my mind of all of these like pool lawn, not lawn, uh, pool lounge chairs lined up and all these dollar bills just getting their tan on. And they're just, they literally have their, their arms behind their head. And they're like, ah, this is the life. Ah, this is nice. And I realized to myself, I'm not going to let you stay on vacation. <laughs> realized to myself, self, we need to check in. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to put these dollars to work. And so as a result, the one of the ways that you do that is you can do it through stocks. Or you could do it through a 401k, which is another form of stocks, another form of investing or Roth IRA, whatever. But since we're talking about stocks, it's like that is my way of putting my money to work for me. And as a result, one of the things that people don't tell you about with, with stocks is once you invest in a stock and you're a long-term holder, you don't sell and that company continues to do well, the, the value of those shares is maintained as opposed to you constantly losing money or using losing the value on those dollars. So if like the, for instance, if the American dollar today, the value of $1 is actually worth 65 cents, 20 years from now, it may be worth 50 cents. And so you're losing more of that value, that buying power with that dollar. If you have it in a stock, however, the stock will maintain its value when you, when you bought that particular stock. And because as the, the, you know, the price itself doesn't care where the value of the dollar is going. It's more about just where the value of the stock is overall. And of course, if you're in a healthy business, the stock continues to go up. It just sets you up to be able to use that money for retirement later on. Continue, Steve. Back to Apple. Uh, Granny Apple. <laughs> Turned into orange oh, now. man. Golden delicious. So... Basically, what happened was Apple was going to take a split. I forgot what kind of split it was. It was a big one, though. It was like an eight to one split. I think it was seven like to one. Seven to one. Somewhere around there where it was crazy expensive when I couldn't afford it. And then it split and the price dropped quite a, quite a lot. And I thought, I'm so buying this right now. Oh, my goodness. I'm so buying it. <laughs> and so I scrambled up some of my pennies and my dimes. And so I bought in, I think, like 30 shares or something, as much as I could afford at the time without uh, being stupid. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it went from like $800 or a thousand bucks and then went to down to like 92. And I think I bought it around like 96 or something, or at least that's what this thing had split out. I forgot how, what happened, but I bought in around, that was the value of it. And I just kept it and kept it and kept it. And then I was selling, of course, a lot of Apple phones and people would just come in and line up in the store. How much is it? I want to buy it. What else, you know, oh, you need an extra charger? You need some extra headphones? You need an extra case? You need this? You need that? Yeah, okay. Oh, how much is it? Uh, 5000 Okay, here's my credit card. You know, what, you, obviously not $5,000, but I would see clients that I would just sell a phone to come in the very next year, buy mm -hmm. the next phone, come in the very next year, buy the next phone. And I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, you just bought the last phone. Like, wait a couple years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a good phone, but it's not that great. You need to buy the whole brand new model. And see, as a result, that is passive research that's going on with you. We're right. like, you know, looking at what just how much demand is going on for these products. You're thinking to yourself, I think that the stock is going to do well. Right. Even if I didn't like Apple, I would probably still invest in Apple because why not? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a money-making machine. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they have more money now than certain small countries. Even with the, this last iPhone, which we were talking about with the, you know, the iPhone 10 or X or whatever they want to call it, and the iPhone 8. The iPhone 8 wasn't hardly even different. The only, the only one difference with the iPhone 8 versus the 7 is the processor. And that was it. The screen, the resolution, the camera, even the dimensions. Like you could take your your iPhone 7 case and put it right on your iPhone 8 ca- uh, phone. You know, the, I, it was exactly the same. Only the processor was different. But Apple just came out with an earnings report and they were way up. Mm-hmm. You could buy the 7. It was almost the same exact phone for 100 bucks less. Absolutely. So in the interest of time... Um, there are just a, a few other stocks that I wanted to just um, briefly cover really quick. One, of course, is called Collector's Universe. It's uh, the stock ticker for that one is CLCT. This one is a different strategy for me overall because it's a stock that is not a growth stock. In fact, it just it kind of meanders within the same area. And um, recently, it's actually been going down a bit. And the reason why I got involved with this particular stock is that the dividend yield is actually higher than normal. And so it's it's more of a dividend play in the sense that because the price is low, currently it's around it's hovering about $13.5 a share. It allows for me to be able to buy a considerable amount of shares and then uh, reinvest the dividend, going back to the whole drip thing. Uh, when, and as a result, that allows me to continue purchasing additional shares of it until finally I'm, I'm deciding I want to be able to cash out or be able to turn off the drip. And then every time they have a dividend, it then just goes right into my account. So that is a completely different strategy as opposed to the Funko one, which I believe is more of a growth stock. They don't offer any kind of dividend and it's continuing to go up. So there are, the reason why, why I want to give these two examples is that I want to demonstrate how there are different ways of being able to make money within the stock market itself. Ah. Now, two companies I do not have investments in, but I have been following for some time. One, of course, is Electronic Arts. It's been doing very, very well. Um, it was interesting because, um, for a while early on, like in the, I would say in the nineties, mostly it really didn't have a whole lot of aggressive growth. They certainly do not have a dividend yield, but, um, I would say within just the last eight years, they have been able to really turn on the, the fire. And I think, I'm not even sure if it's if it's solely on the company that, that caused the stock to go up. I really do think that over time, the market, meaning like a lot of the, the big time, big fat cats, the financial investors, the institutional investors, I think that they have been paying more and more attention to the video game market because they realize how much money the, the, the industry makes. And as a result, I mean, like if you were looking at um, say, for instance, if you invested back in 2012 in, in EA Games, I mean, it was going for like 12 bucks a share. And I'm, I can't remember, they may have done a split. I'm not exactly sure. But it, just looking at the chart alone, um, it was at 12 bucks a share. Now it's currently sitting at $127 a share. So you could see just from uh, a return on investment just how many times over you would have had for that. And of course, it all depends on how much money you invest. In fact, let's do something fun here, Steve. Do it. Let's say, for instance, that you had, let's say, $5,000 that you wanted to invest in, in a stock. And let's say you chose (laughs) Electronic Arts. So you take your $5,000, 
and you're going to divide it by $12. Let's say, oh, you know what? You start investing when the stock was at 12 bucks a share. Well, you do 5,000 divided by 12, and that gives you 416 shares. Mm-hmm. You would have 416 shares of Electronic Arts, and if you were to take 416 and multiply it by today's stock price, which, of course, is much higher than $12, it has gone up to, to be perfectly accurate, $127.48. Your initial investment of $5,000 today, which would uh, be, you know, roughly about six years uh, worth of investing, $5,000 would have turned into $53,031. Wow. So that is a real world example of how much money you can make when you make the right, well, bet, I guess you could say. You bring up a point with the with the whole betting because some people refer to stocks as gambling, like if you're in Vegas. One good thing to keep in mind: you don't actually win or lose until you sell or you cash in in your chips. Absolutely. So even if you buy into EA and EA does bad for a year mm-hmm. and you do nothing, you've technically not lost any money whatsoever. Correct. If they do bad and you go, oh, I'm out of here, I'm going to go invest in something else, and you cash out, well, then you've lost a certain amount of money for sure because you've taken your chips and you've left. Mm-hmm. Different in Vegas because if you go, okay, I'm betting on Blue 42. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. then, uh, and then, you know, and you lose your bet, then you just lost all your money in 30 seconds. Right. Because that's completely different. Um, the final example I have for you is Activision Blizzard. And I figured, you know, everybody knows who that company is. And I just kick myself because once again, I personally, well, I'll get, I'll get into that in a bit. Can I kick you so you for yourself? No. Okay. I'll no. just try to clarify that. So uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, of course, back in the day, they, they got onto the stock market back in 1993 and I believe this was just, uh, you know, I don't want to steer you wrong. I have a feeling this was just Activision at the time. I don't think Blizzard was a publicly traded company back in 1993. But I think Activision was. And at first, if you look over the time, they have had multiple splits. They had a 3 2 split. Um, in 2001, uh, in 2003, they had a 3 2 split. In 2004, they had a 3 2 split. In 2005, they had a 4 to 3 split. In two th- another one, actually, they had two splits in 2005. Uh, they had another split in 2008, which was 2 to 1. So just looking at that alone, they had one, two, three, four, five, six splits within their company. And, uh, and then, of course, they also pay a dividend. So again, there is um, a certain amount of math involved with like just you know looking at okay what what exactly constitutes a three to two split versus a, a four by four to three split all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to mess with that for this particular example, but I do want to impress upon you just how much you can make on this. Again, just playing with the numbers on here. So looking at it at the chart, the chart actually is not entirely accurate, but we're just going to do it for the sake of just what you could do. So let's say 
just based off the chart numbers alone, we're not going to, you know, factor in the splits and stuff. We're just going to keep, we're gonna just going to take the numbers as they are. So this is not going to be 100% accurate, but we'll give you an idea. Back in, uh, let's say, 1994, it was $1.10 a share. And again, that's not actually what it was because when you factor in the splits, it was probably more like, I don't know, 20 bucks a share or something like that. Who knows? I'd have to do some research on it. Huh? Doing the research. But for the interest of time, let's just have fun with this. So let's say, for instance, you had the same $5,000 and you decide that you're going to invest in Activision Blizzard. And so you take $5,000, you divide it by $1.10. That would give you 4,545 shares. So in today's world, the stock is now up to $73.08. So what was it? Was it was it 5,454 shares? I believe that's what it was. We multiply that times $73.08. You cannot forget the cents in there. That does make an impact. <laughs> it makes sense, Russ. <clears throat> it does indeed. You would then turn your $5,000 investment into $398,578.32. And that's all? Now, again, this number is not accurate in terms of the real world thing because I did not factor in all the splits and stuff. But I'm trying to impress upon you how much you can make based on if you were to be able to identify an opportunity in the market to be able to invest in. And then over time, let the market or excuse me, not the market, let the company execute its long term business plan and watch as you reap the benefits within the market itself. In fact, looking at this. I believe it would probably be a good idea to be able to invest in uh, both Activision Blizzard and Electronic Arts. They'd I think be- you mentioned uh, Blizzard on the, on the stock market back when the episode was in the closet. <sighs> I'm not mistaken. Did I really? Yeah, you did. Episode five or six. <clears throat> well, did you have any <clears throat> concluding thoughts on the matter? I want to conclude with a story. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I've been, I've been referencing this story throughout the episode. I want to tell you what happened. I was doing my little bit of due diligence and research, and I'm you know into technology a little bit. I invested in a company called GT Technologies, and basically they did two things: they made solar cells for solar panels, and they made sapphire glass. And sapphire glass is basically if you buy a nice high end watch, the glass on the, on the watch is sapphire glass, or on some of the high end cameras, the real thick clear glass is sapphire glass. Apple was wanting to utilize all sapphire glass instead of Gorilla Glass. Samsung uses Gorilla Glass. HTC uses Gorilla Glass. It's, you know, it's very paper thin, but more durable than regular glass. I thought, okay, that's going to be huge. I want to buy in on it. Apple's big and they trust this company. So I like, I didn't invest all my money, but I put like 200 bucks into it. And what (laughs) happened was Apple dropped the ball. I already talked about Apple. They dropped the ball. They thought this is way too expensive to put on every single phone. The, the cost of the phone, if we do this, is going to go through the roof. The market's not going to be able to afford it, which means we're not going to sell that many phones. So maybe we'll just buy you out and do it later on. And so they, they Apple bought the company and changed their whole business model around, stopped what they did, and everybody in the company went out of business. 
And so I thought, I saw the stock plunging, like literally a downward staircase on a daily basis. And I thought, okay, what else, What my plan is going to be, I still believe in this technology. I'm just going to hold on to it. And I hold it and I held and I held and I held and I held. And it went all the way down to like 18 cents or something. I bought it and it was like $23. And so then I got out, of course, and I, obviously I have no one to blame but myself. I saw it going down mm-hmm. and I didn't, I, I did lose money. I had no choice. I had to sell out because the company went bankrupt due to, you know, Apple's choice in the matter. But, uh, you know, you got to know when to get out. And I didn't get out, and but uh, since I only invested money, I knew I could afford to lose. If that makes any sense, learned a valuable lesson. And, it, and you know that is a really good point too, in, in the sense that oftentimes people like to talk about their winners; they don't necessarily like to talk about their losers. Right. And I would argue that oftentimes it's the losers that teach us the best lessons of right. all in many different capacities. Yeah, and. Um, for me, I didn't uh, provide any kind of uh, um, loser stock stories because I wanted to be able to <clears throat> focus on on just kind of showcasing some of the, the different um, tidbits of, of advice that we were talking about earlier. I think I forgot to mention what this company was going to do. Apple's intention was to introduce the solar cells within the sapphire glass of the phone. Mm-hmm. So the end result is just like if you were to turn on your little calculator that has a little solar panel to power itself, it would act as like a trickle charger while you're walking around using your phone anytime the lights are on. So huh. I thought, man, that's brilliant. That is so cool. Yeah. So, but anyway, such as life didn't happen. Maybe it might still happen, but who knows? The conclusion I have for this whole thing is, is I hope that we have been able to, to provide some value as, a, as it applies to stocks and also just be able to leverage what it is that we all love to do. We all love to play video games. We love watching movies. We love our TV shows. We love our pop culture. They're, they're, we love our technology. There are all these different types of products that we interact with on a daily basis. And I think that just using myself as an example, I never really thought anything beyond that. I was always just enjoying the products. I could identify certain companies that I knew were doing well, but I never really took that next step in terms of really thinking to myself, how can I get more involved with these companies in a way that allows me to make money? And it's, it's just amazing to me. Had I known these things ahead of time, I would have been investing way earlier in my life. I would have been definitely involved in it when I was back like 10 years old, for example. And I think in today's world, like we talked about earlier, you have such great tools at your disposal to be able to do the research, to be able to get an account set up, be able to make those those trades. Everything is so user-friendly. And I want to impress upon a lot of you folks out there that like just the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be as you go along because time just goes by. Yeah, Some people, it seems like it's an eternity, but I'm telling you, it's going to go super fast. And all that time, you're going to be able to hopefully be able to compound upon your initial investments and be able to retire with dignity at yeah. the end of your time. And especially going way back to the beginning of this podcast episode where we were talking about how only 32% in America, we're not even talking about the, the globe, just in America alone, only 32% of Americans have some semblance of like a 401k investment. 
that translates into people who are not going to be able to retire from their jobs. It's going to translate into them having to use more credit right. in order to pay for things. And you just, you know, I just don't want to see us doing that. And I, and I, I really do believe that um, that is an issue with our educational system. I think that, that there should be much more of a conscious effort placed on our students, even I would say, even from an elementary level, like just, just teaching very basic methodology as it applies to investing, maybe started at like the, the fifth grade level or something like that. But like just being able to like instill in our future generations, the, the notion of how important it is to, to be an investor, invest in what's going on, be more plugged into um, the, the various industries, and then you'll be that much more better off. Actually, everyone will be more, much more better off because you'll have people who are more informed. They'll be able to invest for their financial future. And by the way, the earlier you start, the less you have to invest in order to do right. well, as opposed to if you wait until you're way older, you're going to have to be forced to invest more money aggressively in order to make it for that lost time. But also the companies too will, will benefit from your contributions because they'll be able to act and as a result, the overall economy will do better. So it's, I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship. There are, there are so many different working pieces and parts and everything to this whole thing. And when you stop to really think about it, it is really fascinating. But I do urge you to do your own research, do your own due diligence, and definitely, you know, don't go into debt trying to invest right. in things. You want to use capital that is ready at your disposal that's fluid. <laughs> Sometimes when I talk to people about life insurance, no one wants to do it either, which is a totally different form of investing, which we're not going to get into. <laughs> but I always, I think to myself, like, when is a good time? When you're, you know, 80 years old and you got, you know, a fixed income and then your life insurance is going to cost 500 to 1500 bucks a month. Is that going to be the best time? Mm -hmm. Like, no, the time's now when it, when it's cheap and it's, you know, it's affordable and you can, you can afford to make some mistakes and learn along the way, you know? Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I really do hope that, um, that <laughs> our, uh, kind of hodgepodge Motley crew <laughs> approach to this whole thing makes some semblance of sense. And if you guys like it, I mean, that's the big thing too, is, is we definitely want to hear your take on it. If, if you want to hear more about this sort of thing, we'd be happy to have future episodes where perhaps we focus on certain areas of it and be able to make a part two. Yeah, make, make a part two and, and analyze certain things into more detail. But anyway, I think that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. I want to thank all of you for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and pledge a dollar a month for exclusive access and early access to the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our game Gaming Adventures Live every Wednesday night, except for next week, because we are both on vacation. Uh, but normally you can see us every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. I'll see all of you, and I'll see you, Steve, <laughs> hey. in uh, about a week. Okay. See ya. Bye.